It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 2nd, 2009. My name is Jacob Gwynn, and my father, Greg Gwynn, is with me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Good to be here with you as well. We're glad that you're with us as well, and we're looking forward to your comments. You join in the discussion over email or over the telephone tonight. If you're watching us with our live video feed, you can see our contact information scrolling across the bottom of your screen. We hope you'll take a minute to join in on the discussion tonight. And we have an important subject and a relevant subject uh, that we want to discuss tonight. Jacob, you know, I was looking back through our archives, and I don't think that we've ever had a program in which we discussed a Christian on the job, a Christian in the workplace. And so uh, certainly with all the talk about jobs and unemployment and looking for jobs and needing jobs and working and so forth, it seemed like an appropriate thing to talk about. How should a Christian conduct himself in the workplace when he's on the job. So you're saying there may be some people here that we couldn't step on their toes if we tried tonight because they're not in a workplace currently because well, of the economy, huh? Well, we want to talk about that, too. We want to talk okay. about the need for work and the importance of work and, and the rightful place of work in a person's life. Uh, there's just several things that the Bible teaches on that that should be a worthwhile discussion. We want everybody who's listening to get involved. And then, Jacob, there's several ways they can do that. All right, 877-381-4567, or you can email questions at collegeview.com. A third way you can get in touch with the program tonight is by going to the chat room. If you're watching us on Ustream.tv, if you're catching us from our homepage, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com, you can join in the chat room by clicking on the link that's near the bottom of your screen. That will open up our show page. And the stream will continue there, and there will be a chat window on the side of the video. You can join in uh, to a chat room there and discuss the topic tonight with other listeners. We'd encourage you to check out the chat room if you haven't done so already. And there's a fourth way that you can not contact us, but you can keep in touch with us at the Virtual Bible Study. And that uh, is a new piece of technology uh, pretty impressive that you uh, have that up and running now, Dad. Uh, you have Twitter working. Yeah, you can uh, if you are a Twitterer, and that's supposed to be the rage now, all the rage. Even is that uh, how, is that the correct uh, verb yeah, form of it? I think so. Okay, no, that's the noun form. You are oh, you Twitter, are a sorry. Twitterer. That's right. You you, you, you tweet. Oh, Actually, you, tweet. you send tweets. Well, it sounds funny for you to say that, but go ahead. Uh, I think even President Obama is, is on Twitter. I, I'm hearing all about this. It's the rage. I'm not sure. I don't understand it all, but I did get us hooked up. And what we're sending out our weekly updates. Uh, by way of Twitter. And so on Thursday, you'll get the update about our topic for discussion that evening and get our study questions that we put out every Thursday. And then I've been sending out uh, a tweet uh, just a few minutes before the program starts to sort of remind people, get to the computer and get logged on so you can participate in the virtual Bible study. All right. Do we have a question from the chat room tonight? Is it scriptural to tweet? We can take that up on another virtual Bible study, maybe. 
Well, I think I can say definitively yes. I don't think we have to postpone the answer to that. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, but our study topic for tonight is the Christian and their secular employment. And I sent out three questions. We're seeking input on these questions. Uh, number one, what biblical principles should motivate a Christian to work? What is the motivation? Why should we be interested in working? Number two, what things should a Christian take into consideration when choosing a job? And number three, what rules of conduct does the Bible place upon a child of God when he is at work? So those are the three questions that we've got out there for your discussion tonight. Uh, please send us an email or pick up the phone right now and call us, and you get in immediately. We always take the phone calls first up, Jacob. All right, and uh, this is a subject that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, so hopefully you have some comments and you have some uh, some thoughts about the subject tonight. We want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or send us your comments in the chat room tonight. We'll be glad to take them from you there. Well, as we think about work and it's important to uh, its importance to us and our attitude towards it. We have to realize that in the American society we live in today, uh, that the negative uh, sentiment placed upon work can affect us as Christians in our thought processes when we think about work and we think about uh, earning a living. We need to understand what the Bible tells us about the need for work and the fact that uh, God designed us to be working uh, people, male and female, we all need to be working. That's what God has designed us to do. Exactly right. I think one of the things we realize when we read the Genesis account, God's first dealing with mankind, with Adam and Eve, we read about work there. Now, we understand that hard work and physical labor was a part of the curse that God put upon Adam after the first sin in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, um God said, Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. I think a lot of times we sort of blame Adam for the fact that we have to work. If he hadn't done that, if he hadn't sinned, we wouldn't have to work. We could just be, you know, having it uh, on, on easy street, have everything just made for us and given to us, and we wouldn't have to put forth any effort. But that's actually wrong. Even before the sin, if you go back in chapter 2 of Genesis in verse 15, and remember, this was the perfect environment for mankind. This was the Garden of Eden before the sin, Everything was perfect. God looked and saw everything that he had made, Genesis 1.31, and indeed it was very good. So this is very good. This is an ideal, perfect environment, just exactly the way that it should be to fulfill all the needs of man. But in that ideal setting, in Genesis chapter 2 at verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Uh, so there there was a job. He he was to tend and keep the garden. There was work for him to do. So what that tells us, Jacob, is that in, in man's inherent nature, God designed us in such that we need work, that that's part of what is is necessary for our for our well-being. All right. Uh, we'll get into that some more, I think, as we go on with our attitude towards work. Uh, but it, that's that understanding in, in and of itself would certainly help us to think twice before we murmur about and complain about, oh, I've got to go to work on Monday morning. 
We need to understand God designed us to be working people. He designs to be working. That's not, that's not to say every job is ideal or every job, every job is desirable. That's true, but, but I think we'll even see other scriptural passages that would even tell us to be careful about complaining about those jobs that are not the most desirable. Exactly right. And so we've got to be careful. Exactly right. So, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're talking about work, the Christian's attitude and responsibility towards work. Jacob, you suggested that in our society there's there's a problem with people who don't have a right attitude toward work. There there's certainly some people in our society who have decided that they just need to be kept up. You know, in other words, it's somebody else's job to to do the work for to them, do the work for them, and provide them with what they need to live. Now, I'm not talking about people who are incapable or somehow incapacitated, but I'm talking about able-bodied people. Unfortunately, in our society, there's an increasing problem of able-bodied people who aren't willing to work. And the Bible speaks about that. It, it condemns that kind of an attitude. certainly does, and we uh, need to understand that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, one passage that we could reference along these lines, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning of verse 11, and that you study to be quiet, do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded, that you may walk honestly towards them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. Timothy was instructed to work there so that he could provide for his needs uh, that's something that some in our society don't understand, that uh, then when they have needs, it is their responsibility to provide for them. In Titus chapter 3, verse 14, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and seen, uh, those things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Wait a minute, I'm reading the wrong passage. I've got, I'm, I'm in Second Timothy. I mean to be in Titus. Titus chapter 3 and verse 14 says, uh, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, uh, that they be not unfruitful, uh, is another passage that suggests the idea of industry, being busy, being being at work. But probably without a doubt, the plainest verses in the New Testament about this are, uh, would be Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So don't work, don't eat is a is a biblical principle. And then 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says, If any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Those are really pretty plain passages, Jacob. And, I, you know, it, it seems clear that uh, God intends us to be busy. Exactly right. Uh, we want to hear from you as you think about work. What do you think our attitude should be? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We might ask you this question as well. Has the recent economic crisis changed your attitude or has it changed others' attitudes that you know about uh, as you think about work? Has that changed your thoughts about work? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. If you're ch- ch- uh, catching us live, join in on the chat room and send us your comments. Several there. people there in the chat room, and I, I see a good question here, Jacob, uh, that's, that's been brought up in the chat room. How do you rationalize Second Thessalonians 3.10, which we just read, if man, any man won't work, neither should he eat, with welfare and retirement? And so that might be something that somebody wants to address. We'll get to that. What about What about the idea of somebody who's on welfare or someone who has retired and is drawing ben- retirement benefits and therefore is not working a job anymore. Uh, those those are worthy questions. Uh, Dean has sent in answers to our questions. We're still looking to your answers. We're slow on answers tonight. Surely some of you have got some ideas. The first question was, what biblical principles should motivate a Christian to work? 
And Dean mentioned some of those verses we were just looking at. He says, we must provide for our families, 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. If any any provide not for his own, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. He says, those unwilling to work are not to enjoy the benefits of it. And that's that Second Thessalonians 3 passage. He suggests a few more verses there, Jacob, uh, as, as part of his answers. In Second Thessalonians 3, beginning at verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the, the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example to you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. And so from that, Dean says, those who are unwilling to work are not to enjoy the benefits of it. So I think he's right. I think that's very plain. And, and the uh, the exhortation to the uh, Thessalonians there was in uh, in the context there, they were appeared to be uh, getting ready for the second coming. And uh, and they were shutting down and they were just coasting until, until the Lord came. Yeah. And... Uh, we need to understand, even though this life is temporary, and uh, that we need to have a, a spiritual focus that we still need to be working yeah. and not allow that to be an excuse for not working. Dean says, to me, this passage, Second Thessalonians 3, this passage would condemn our nation's current welfare mentality. Not to say, however, that there shouldn't be provisions for the poor. I just believe that there should be some work done by those able to do so. And he references gleaning. You know, in the Old Testament law of Moses, there was provision for the poor, for those who were who were destitute, that they weren't supposed to harvest the corners of their field. They weren't supposed to go back and pick up what, that which had been dropped in the harvesting process. And that was a special provision for the poor, but they had to go get it. Uh, and so I think Dean's point is well taken. Jesus said, you have the poor with you always. There's always going to be a problem of poverty. And so it's good in a society to make some provision for those who are in destitute condition. But the problem with the way our welfare system is set up is that it, it promotes laziness. In other words, those are not those who are receiving such benefits, even able-bodied people who are receiving such benefits are not required to do anything in order to get them. And I, I would agree with Dean. There ought to be some effort on their part, some work. Even if they're in a situation where they need help, they ought to do what they can to help themselves. From the chat room, we have a comment about the passage that has just been referenced. It says, there is also a prohibition in that passage of the church helping those who refuse to work. What do you think about that? Well, I believe that would be true. In other words, uh, the church is to be uh, benevolently involved when there are needy saints. But if there was a needy saint that wouldn't work... Then we got other problems that to work ver- on. Yeah, there's other problems to work on. And that verse would say we couldn't supply benevolent aid to a, an able-bodied Christian who's unable to work. Now, we're not talking here about people who are who are legitimately disabled. Uh, that that'd be another consideration. When we're talking about these welfare matters, we're talking about the the, the able-bodied people who could be working and are not. And I agree with Dean's observation there. Uh, he, he, finally, he says working is the means by which God chooses to bless us with the material necessities of life. 
God provides for us, Matthew 6, 33, but we must be willing to follow his instructions concerning work. Proverbs 10, verse 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. I heard a saying once, God feeds the sparrow, but he doesn't throw the food into his nest. I think a good observation. Thank you, Dean, for those thoughts. Thank you, Dean, for those comments. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you on the other side of this break. Let us know what you think about work. Do you have any comments, any thoughts, any scriptural passages that we should keep in mind as we think about Let me get these work. questions back out. We're going to look at two more questions here. What things should a Christian take into consideration when choosing a job? There may be some Christians out there looking for jobs right now. What kind of things are you using as your criteria in choosing that job? Number three, what rules of conduct does the Bible place upon a child of God when he's at work? So I want to add one more to your number two there. Okay. Your criteria that a Christian should use in choosing a job. Can a Christian be too choosy? Can he be too choosy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, right. we ought to talk about that. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We'll be right back after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Do you remember when churches taught the truth in a straightforward and direct way with no sugarcoating? Can you recall when homosexuality was plainly condemned and unscriptural divorce and remarriage was not tolerated? Can you think back to a time when you heard hard sermons on moral issues like dancing, immodest stress, and filthy movies? Do you long for a return to the kind of teaching and preaching that you heard 30 or 40 years ago? The College View Church is trying hard to maintain the same moral principles that have been associated with God's people throughout the ages. They want to hold the line against the drifting that is characterized in so many churches today. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Let us know your thoughts or join in the chat room as we talk about our... Relationship to our work, I see a question here that uh, the chatters are bringing up some tough questions. The chatters, um, they they can chat about that all night long. I see uh, on the subject of what job to choose, should a man choose to work for a woman? We've talked about that before. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into this. Right. Uh, uh, let's talk about what kind of thing. Well, let's 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 um, get into that topic about the kind of job. What would what would be the criteria for a job? Uh, I think an obvious first consideration would have to be, Jacob, um, is is this job morally right? Uh, would would it require me to break God's law or do something wicked or immoral? Uh, if so, that almost seems like a no-brainer for a person who's a Christian. So I, I couldn't have a job like that. Certainly, we wouldn't uh, want to do anything that would compromise us uh, spiritually. Uh, we would uh, look. We could look at lots of uh, passages that would instruct us along those lines. Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-eight would be one uh, that we could look at. If we can uh, get our pages over there, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-eight uh, says, "Let him that stole steal no more, but let him uh, labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, they may have to him uh, that needeth." There are some jobs that require you to steal. Uh, you know, it may be legal stealing, but you're stealing nonetheless, taking advantage of people, 
uh, the passage here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 would say that you don't need to be doing that job. We read Titus 3.14 earlier, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Uh, I think the American Standard Version there says, uh, instead of good works, it says honest occupations, maintain honest occupations. So uh, it is, it is. Uh, I think it should go without saying, but I have been, through the years, I've had several situations where Christians would say, well, maybe I shouldn't do it, but I have to. It's my job. You know, they, they they almost act as though they don't have any option. It's it's their job requirement. They're they're expected to tell a lie or to, to cheat or cut a corner here or there that would be illegal or immoral or unethical. And uh, if it's job related, they almost act like it's that they don't have any option. Even to the point of people Christians who, who said, "Well, you know, I've got to work on Sunday." I, 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 I I know I should be at services, but I've got to work. It's my job. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I'm not in that situation. But nonetheless, I really believe that if I if if that was the situation I was in where my job did not allow me to worship the Lord on the Lord's Day, I'd get a different job. I would not work that job. I mean, it, it, it is putting a requirement on me or forcing me to do something that I believe is is wrong in the sight of God to forsake the assembly. So anything, uh, certainly a first criteria would be anything that is is immoral, unethical, or unlawful. A Christian couldn't be involved in that in uh, in any way. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. You're listening tonight. Hopefully, you're a worker tonight. What are your thoughts about uh, that job that you have? What do you think the Bible teaches you should be your attitude and your response? Uh, to your job. Let us know your thoughts tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. You know, we do have to be careful about doing anything that would compromise us uh, spiritually. Uh, we, our job, as you said, that is not an excuse uh, to do things that are unlawful. I normally wouldn't do this. I normally wouldn't uh, wouldn't drink, but the boss has asked me to go out drinking with him tonight, and that's okay if it's you know if, if it's my boss. Uh, you, I have to. I, I don't. I don't do that normally, but I have to because my boss yeah. kind of expects it of me. Right. And people, Christians, will use those kind of excuses, and I think they're just uh, they're just off base completely. First, first Thessalonians chapter five, first, first Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-two says, without caveat, there no exceptions. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, another translation says, every form of evil. Abstain from all forms of evil. We got to be doing that, even if. We are encouraged to do so on our job. And, and Romans and, and Romans fourteen, Jacob. Uh, what is it? Verse uh, 23 warns us not to violate our conscience. You know, even if if you if you have a question in your mind as to whether this is the right thing to do or not, uh, Romans 14 verse 23 says, "He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin." And the principle that Paul's setting forth there is, if if I have a conscience problem about this, I better not be doing it. And and so that would be a, a those would be some rules. So first of all, if it's just outright wrong. Secondly, even if it is questionable or violates my conscience, I can't participate in that sort of. All thing. right, the chat room is really heating up. You can go and join the chat room. We look forward to hearing from you there, or over the phone, or over email tonight. Another thing that we have to remember as we think about our occupation, and that is, we need to understand our responsibility to provide for our own. We talked about that earlier. Uh, we talked about the need to be providing for our own, but if providing for our own 
causes us to forget or neglect God, then we have chosen the wrong occupation. We could look back to the rich fool, and his job was very profitable. Uh, he was doing an excellent job of providing for his own, if he had any of his own. We don't know if he did or uh, not. Our friend Paul and I would say he was a good farmer. He was a good farmer. Yeah. And he was a successful farmer. And certainly a lot of people would say, well, that's the kind of, that's, I'd like to have his job. Well, you could have it because he's gone. He can't, he can't have it anymore. But if you were to take that job, you would be just as foolish as he would, was if you allowed that job to cause you to neglect God and leave him out of the equation. Exactly right. God called him a fool in Luke chapter 12. Uh, he said, uh, after making huge profits and really a great harvest, he said, I will say to my soul, this is Luke twelve nineteen. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. His problem was not illegality, apparently. There's not any hint in in the the story that Jesus told there that he was condemning this man for having gotten his gain illegally. He had just gotten his gain by putting all that first and forgetting about God. We can't do that. As Christians, we cannot make our job our top priority. We may have done that in the past, and uh, certainly that's something we've got to be on guard against. Uh, The temptation there, Dad, I think is for any of us. uh, When we have the opportunity to pursue something that's profitable, uh, we are tempted to follow after that and uh, without any regard for other consequences. And we've got to make sure that all that we do as we're trying to provide for our own, that we keep God at the forefront and to keep him in the picture. Um, in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 8, you remember verses 37 and 38, or verses 36 and 37 especially, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus asked rhetorical questions there that, and, and the nature of a rhetorical question, of course, is that the answer is so obvious you don't even have to state the answer. And so what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? wouldn't profit him anything. And what could he give in exchange for? So what would be a fair trade for a man's soul? Nothing. Uh, and so we need to, uh, we say we believe in the Lord. We believe the teachings of the Bible. Those are important teachings and we need to keep them in mind. If, if this gain even if the gain was was such that you could gain the accumulated wealth of the entire world, it is not a fair trade for your soul. You've got to keep that in mind. Maybe we could rephrase Mark chapter 8, verses 35 and 36 along these lines. For whosoever will, um, verse 36 and 37, for what shall it profit a man if he shall become president and CEO and lose his own soul? Yeah. Or what shall it profit a man if he... Uh, moves to the head of the line, climbs to the top of the corporate ladder, and he neglects God in the process. What's it going to profit him? In other words, so what? In the end, all, all that matters is how we serve God, and we've got to remember that. Our job is a tool that we use to aid us in serving God. It is not the substance and the, the sum of our life. It is just simply a tool that we use in order to be pleasing to God. Um we could probably refine this, these kind of things further and further, but I think we've, 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 we've hit the main ones first. First of all, is it immoral or illegal, unethical? Secondly, does it violate my conscience or, or does it sort of compromise my, my example and influence? Thirdly, uh, does it keep me from putting spiritual things first? 
then uh, maybe some other things to consider. Does it keep me from, not only does it keep me from doing my duty f- in attending the Lord's uh, worship services and so forth, does it keep me from my spiritual duties in the church? Does does it keep me from my family duties? I, I think there are a lot of of mothers and fathers who are letting their jobs keep them from doing what they are required to do in the rearing of their children. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's a lot of fathers and mothers who are not following through on that, Jacob, and the excuse that we're getting is because they're too busy with their jobs, and that cannot be so. Uh, if if your job is keeping you not only from your your religious requirements in regards to inter- involvement in the work of the church, also, is it keeping you from your family duties and being a husband and being a father, being a wife, being a mother? You, these things have got to be taken in consideration. You can't take a job and say, well, my job is the reason why I failed in rearing my children. The Lord's not going to accept that when you stand before him in judgment. Certainly. There are so many more things and more important than us uh, climbing that corporate ladder or us getting that uh, good-paying job. We certainly have to keep all these things in perspective. And, and I, I would mention one more thing, Jacob, and there's probably a lot more things we could mention there, is just the idea, is this job such of such a nature that it, it ruins my my entire enjoyment of life? You know, is this a job that is so so grievous and burdensome and so and, and the and the, the responsibilities are so harsh and heavy that uh, it, it just basically ruin my life i'm not able to do what paul said in philippians 4 verse 4 when he said rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice if it is if it's just such an honor onerous job that i just can't even enjoy life at all maybe that's the wrong one maybe i maybe i've got a wrong view of the job or maybe i just need to get a different well you don't what you're saying is if the job is too consuming yeah. If it if it becomes my life rather than just a tool that I use in my life to yeah. accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, take Let, a, let's hear from you. We need to get some of your input on this. What, what are some of the things that you think are important uh, things to consider when choosing a job? All right. The chat room is going crazy. If you're not in there now, you might want to join. We'll take a short break and get this week's bullet point, and we'll take it up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Throughout God's word, we are instructed to be thankful for his blessings. Here's a sampling of such verses. First Chronicles 16, 8. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalms 97, verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. First Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5, 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Have you ever wondered why God commanded us to be thankful? Does He need it? Is He somehow dependent upon us to voice our gratitude to Him? Is there something about His nature that craves this and can't do without it? The answer to all these questions is, of course, no. God is not dependent upon us in any way. He doesn't need us. We need Him. His instructions to us concerning giving thanks are like all of his commandments. They are for our good. Observe, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes for our good always, Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. When we take time to thank God, it serves to remind us of our total dependence upon him. It helps us to realize our own weakness and frailty. It keeps us focused on him and eternity. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be ye thankful. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. 
I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it, and we look forward to your participation. You know, we haven't heard from a lot of our listeners uh, on the email tonight. A lot of chatting going on in the chat room. That's good. Uh, we didn't even have time to get through it all there during the break, but uh, certainly some good discussion going on. But we'd like to hear from you. Send us an email or give us a call. We'd love to hear from you on the phone, 877-381-4567. Let your fingers do the walking and uh, get over here and give us a call. Uh, There was a question in the chat room earlier. We talked about welfare and receiving welfare benefits, and and those uh, who are able-bodied should be expected to work for what they get. I think that's a a biblical principle. There was another part of that question we didn't talk about. What about retired people, Jacob? Are they somehow violating the principles of work? You know, I didn't see any caveats on uh, the instruction for us to work and provide for our own. I didn't see that uh, you should provide for your own for the first 65 years of your life or whatever the government deems is the acceptable retirement age. I am under the understanding that uh, we're to be working to the extent that we're able to work all of our life. I don't see that God has told us that we can pile up the money and then set. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd agree with that analysis completely or not. I, I, I think when when you work and you provide toward a, a retirement, then that then you have made provision for that. In other words, you were working and saving toward a time when you were older and wouldn't necessarily be able to work at the same level or whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that you need to go out and dig ditches when you're 85 years old. But I, I think God has designed us to be active and working. Yeah, he, to the extent that we're able to physically. But it, that may not be working for a wage. Not no, it doesn't. No, but we. But but. No, which I may. Uh, what I what you would hope is that a person by reaches cert, some retirement age, whatever it might be, uh, it'd be different for different people. Certainly. But but you would you would you, certainly you just don't want the fellow to sit up at home and just wither away. Certainly. But he might be able to work at other things. He, in other words, he's he's worked enough toward a retirement that now he doesn't have to work for a wage but maybe he's able to help others maybe he's able to be more involved in kingdom work and he and needs so to be doing that right to, to illustrate the re the reasoning behind that let's say a man was very successful at business and he had enough money by the time he was 25 to quit that job and retire would you think it would be acceptable in god's eyes for that 25 year old person to sit on the beach all day or to sit back and relax and not do another bit of work the rest of his life I would think, you would think I think the, that biblical principles would suggest the idea that he he would be expected to be a steward of that opportunity and yes. and use it. And I think we need to be we need to be diligent. And as you said, maybe and hopefully that the the focus off of the physical work can switch over to doing some more spiritual work now and and uh, being more focused on doing some work for the kingdom. Uh, but uh, certainly think that we need to be active in using our opportunities. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let me, let me read you some answers that Dean sent in. Uh, what things should a Christian take into consideration when choosing a job? This is this is what we've just been most recently talking about. He says, and I think his answer agrees with several of the things we were saying, Jacob. Does this job promote behavior that's contrary to the word of God? I wouldn't work in a liquor store, he says. Perhaps more controversial, I wouldn't recommend Christians working in a daycare as I believe the responsibility of raising children is given to parents. I I think that probably would be a controversial answer. But he's saying, you know, that we ought to probably be even more choosy than just the obvious things like working in a liquor store. 
look look at at some what does uh, my job promote? Or yeah, what no, does in other words, if I do this job, support. is it is it promoting or or supporting certain things that people do that I don't really even approve of? Being a janitor is a great occupation, but I would hesitate to be a janitor at an abortion clinic. There you go. I uh, think things like right. that. Okay, that's, that's right. Uh, he goes on to say, will this job affect one's ability to assemble with the saints? Uh, and he mentions moving to an area without a sound congregation near enough to attend regularly or having to work at times when the saints assemble. I think this. I think that he's right, and I would add an amen to what Dean has said. Uh, you know, let's say that you're offered a job, Jacob, that triples your present salary, but it would require you to move into a place where there are no churches, no Christians to associate with, You'd just be out there on your own. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't do it and maybe go there and try to establish a faithful congregation of people serving the Lord, but that definitely should be taken into consideration. Are you the kind of person who could take on those responsibilities of trying to get a, a, a congregation organized and so forth? If you're not if you're not a spiritual leader at that level yet, then you probably should turn that job down and, uh, you know, be working where you have an opportunity to be with other Christians. So I think that's a good good point. And then he he says, what effect will it have on other spiritual responsibilities I have? Will I have time to edify the saints? Will I have time to carry the gospel to the lost? And will I have time to prepare to teach classes, lead songs, visit the sick, and so forth? So all those are good things to consider. I think Dean's answer just stresses to us the idea that people need to give a lot of serious thought. It's, It's not just the obvious things that we were mentioning. Is it legal? Is it ethical? Is it moral? Those are all important, but there are a lot of finer nuances there to the question of what job should I be doing? Is this a job basically that's going to let me put God first and grow spiritually? Is it totally in line with the biblical principles that I read about that govern my life? Do I have to violate any of those principles in order to have this job? The verse that we often reference is Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Jesus says life is not measured by money and the things money can buy. Unfortunately, in our world, that's the way a lot of people look at it. And I really think that as Christians, more and more we're being influenced to have that outlook on life too, that we, we view life in a in a materialistic way. A lot of times when we're thinking about a job and which job we're going to take, we take that make that decision solely upon the physical and the abundance of our possessions. What kind of salary does it pay? Uh, and we've failed to think about the more important spiritual uh, obligations and ramifications of that job. Now, before we get to this final break, Jacob, let's let's deal with that question that popped up in the chat room here a few minutes ago, and they're still chatting away in there. By the way, you all behave in that chat room because we don't monitor that. You're on your own there, so uh, behave yourselves. But uh, the question was asked: Could a Christian should a Christian choose to work for a woman? What do you what, what do you think about that? Well. You know, uh, don't believe that that necessarily is at our discretion. Uh, we would, if let's say that at some point a woman becomes president, we've talked about it on the virtual Bible study before. There are some who say that would be perfectly acceptable. Our understanding of that is it would not be acceptable for a woman to hold that office. And so, therefore, we wouldn't, we would not vote to put a woman in that position. You know, we talked back before the last presidential election. We talked about uh, could a a Christian vote for Sarah Palin, for instance, and we had a lot of discussion about that. 
and the conclusion that you and I reached, and I think a lot of other people that in the discussion, not everybody, but a lot of people reached, I'm not, I, I can't help to put her in that position, but if it ends up I'm, I, that she is vice president or ultimately president and I'm a citizen in the country, I'm obligated to submit to her. You're not going to denounce your citizenship. I, I, didn't, I didn't help put her in that position, but, I, but I'm obligated to submit to governmental authority. And so uh, I think that would be the same thing on the job. If okay. my boss is a woman – and I'm expected we're going to talk here about conduct toward our masters. Uh, then I've got to submit to the authority of of, of that office. Well, you know, bosses change, and uh, we could we could take a job where we would work for a man. What happens if a woman then takes that position and now is our boss? Do we quit that job? Um, those are some things we'd have to consider. But again, we're not responsible for the actions of others. We're responsible for ourselves. And so, now, so but I think here, here's here's the the finer point of the question. All right, I've got a job. But I have this job offered to me. It would double my wage. But in, in other words, I'm, I don't have to take the job. I already got a job. I could I could improve my lot in life financially if I took this new job. But the new job has a woman boss. I think then you got you got some questions as to. Well, maybe. But what about what about if you have a male boss in that new position? But to have that job and to have to be able to maintain that position in the company, this man neglects his family. He, he's a workaholic. He doesn't. I mean, you, you see. You see what I'm saying there. He's not the right. He's not right in that position either. Am I wrong to work for a man who has that position ill-advisedly, or he violates other scriptural principles to have that position? No, well, no. I, I, you don't have control over everything about your boss, and a lot of times you don't. You can't even. You, you don't even have any discretion as to who might be your boss: man, woman, immoral man. Uh, a homosexual man, okay, or whatever. But uh, to the question that was asked in the chat room, if I had a choice of jobs, one job had a woman that I'd have to submit to as my boss, and the other didn't. I think, for my part, I would choose the job that where in which I didn't have to submit to a woman who's taking a role that I don't think she should take anyway. Okay. Uh, All right. um, we got an email from Mike in Indiana who says, what, what are your thoughts on working for someone who might require you to sell alcohol or cigarettes, et cetera? Uh, well, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm, I, if, if let's say I, I, maybe maybe I'm reading between the lines here on Mike's question, but as, here I'm working for somebody and suddenly say, hey, your, your job now requires you to sell these cigarettes, to sell this beer. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, and, and, it, and I'm going to have to let it be known that, given that uh, ultimatum, if that ultimatum stands, if that becomes a part of my job requirement, I'm not going to do it. We could change it from alcohol and cigarettes. What if your job requires you to schedule abortions? You're not the you're not you're, you're not the doctor doing the abortion, but you're working in the clinic to schedule. Can you do that? I mean, I'm not going to do it. Certainly. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, you know, change it, change it from alcohol and cigarettes, change it to prostitution. So your boss says your job now is to schedule appointments for prostitutes. Are you going to do that because your, your boss suddenly told you that, that now this becomes a part of your job requirement? No, I'm not. That all goes to the question we were talking about earlier. Is it immoral, illegal, unethical? Definitely it's immoral and wicked, and I'm not going to be involved in it. All right. Can't. As a Christian, I simply could not. Thank you, Mike, for that question. I think that question has been he, – he, he references First Thessalonians 3, 8, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. We've got to stand fast in the Lord. All right. Thank you, Michael, for those comments. I think that question about the, the selling of alcohol and cigarettes has been brought up in the chat room tonight. 
If you'd like to join in on that chat room, you can click on the link on the bottom of our uh, screen there if you're not in the Ustream.tv uh, site already. If you're just joining us on the Ustream.tv site and you haven't been to our website yet, check out collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Jay, we got one more question we want to talk about, and we'll take this one after our last break, but it's an important one. What rules of conduct does the Bible place upon a child of God when he is at work? So, okay, we've talked about work. We've talked about the need for work, the importance of work, the necessity of work, but we've also talked about keeping work in its right perspective, choosing a job that's not going to keep me from being the kind of Christian I need to be. Okay, so I'm on the job. I'm a Christian. I'm on the job. What are the rules of conduct that should apply? If you've got some thoughts on that, send us an email, pick up the phone and call us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. All right. We might add to that our conduct. We might also add our attitude and and our thoughts towards our job. Let us know your thoughts on that. We'll take this break and we'll take it up on the other side. If you haven't joined in on the discussion now, it's your last chance. Join in now. We'll be back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We look forward to hearing from you during the last part of the program tonight as we go to the top of the hour, talking about our responsibility to our work and our, now our conduct and attitude on the job. Let us know your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. All right. Uh, one of the, a couple of verses. Let me suggest a couple of verses to get this started, Jacob. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 12. Uh, them that are such. He was talking about some who were lazy on the job and weren't working. He says, them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. And then... In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 and 12, he, he used that same expression, quietness. He says, uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11, you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. Uh, the, the idea of quietness, is, do your job. Just just get busy and do your work. And, you know, there are some people who are just constantly uh, – murmuring, chattering, complaining, talking. They just can't get busy, do their work, and and be quiet and get it done. And so that that would go sort of to the attitude that you have. You know, there might be a guy who's working, but he's grousing and complaining about it all the time. He's, you know, he's he's the classic disgruntled employee, and uh, that wouldn't be fitting for a Christian 
Paul there used the word quietness. Do your work with quietness. Be busy and don't don't be one that's always mouthing about your job. Yeah, certainly so. We have to be we have to avoid uh, murmuring and complaining, Dad. That's what got the children of Israel in a lot of trouble. I think we can read about that in First Corinthians, I believe, chapter six, if I'm correct. Uh, but they were murmuring and complaining about what God had done for them, and we have been blessed by God with our jobs, and it is outrageous and it is offensive for us to be complaining about what God has blessed us with. Okay. Now, there's a couple of, when we're talking about conduct on the job, there's a couple of parallel passages in Ephesians and Colossians. And, and Dean, by the way, suggested this also from Ephesians 6. Uh, the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians are really parallel. And most commentators talk about the, the, the parallel nature. And so it's, all, it's kind of interesting a lot of places to put the passages side by side. And you might want to do this, Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. And then compare that to Colossians 3, verses 22 through 25. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall, be, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So the first thing that stresses here for servants, and of course this was more talking to Jacob about the slave relationship with a master in those days, but we've, we've I think, all agreed that it, it certainly is applicable to the uh, employer-employee relationship. And the first thing he says is be obedient. Uh, you, and, and in Colossians, it's the parallel passage says be obedient in all things. So on the job, we should do what we're told to do. If you can't, by the way, and I got a follow-up email from Mike in Indiana. He said he had to give up a job at Walmart when he was when it was told to him that he was expected to sell, sell uh, beer and cigarettes. Um, if you can't be obedient in all things on this job, then get out of that job because your your requirement is to be obedient in all things on the job. But if you can't be, if they're expecting you to do things that are immoral or illegal then you'll have to leave that job because on the job, you're expected to be obedient. Well, we have that question from Ustreamer24616 in the chat room. He says, in the scriptures where it commands we have to respect higher authorities, does that include management at work? And then he follows up. He says, here's the follow-up to the management question. Do we have to obey the rules and policies at work just like we're commanded to obey the laws of the land? Yes, if... They're not immoral, illegal, or unethical. To be obedient, uh, service to be obedient. You're supposed to, to be obedient. No, okay. if it's just a rule that you don't like, that I, I, uh, one of our friends, Jacob in East Tennessee, some years ago, worked at a place that was it was run by Japanese folks, and in the morning they had to do calisthenics first thing in the morning. Uh, it wasn't his preference to do calisthenics, but there's nothing wrong with doing calisthenics. And so if they tell you to do calisthenics for for ten minutes first thing in the morning, do them. Uh, in other words. That's a policy. It's not illegal, immoral, and unethical. It may not be one that you like, but you're supposed to be obedient in all things. Do it. All right. All right. Uh, we have here uh, the 24616 follows up. He says, we're not supposed to talk on cell phones while driving on company business. Well, I guess 
If that's the rule in your company, then don't do it. If you don't like it, find another job. Yeah, because you're supposed to be obedient. All right, now the next next thing here in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8, you're supposed to serve them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. Uh, uh, Here, um, I think the, the fear and trembling is not only with the idea of reverence or respect for the boss, but for the master, and not only for the, the master or boss, rather, but also for God, because in Colossians, the parallel verse says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So in other words, we do this out of respect for the boss, but also out of respect for God. For the real boss. Who is the, the ultimate in charge of this whole situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that... Uh, it mentions the, the 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 text mentions singleness of heart, uh, in other words, undivided attention and loyalty. Uh, I'm on the job. I'm working for the master. I should not be thinking of other things. Not be serving my own interest. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be pursuing my my own agenda. I should be doing his work. Uh, that's under the assumption that we've already talked about that this is a, a right kind of work to be doing. And then I and and if it is, I ought to be pursuing His work. I ought to be serving Him with with undivided attention, doing a good job, pleasing the Lord. And it uses the expression "eye service." They're not with eye service as men pleasers. And I'll, that's I think that's real easy to describe. It's saying, don't just be working when the boss is standing there looking over your shoulder. Be working. Uh, genuinely and honestly and and faithfully. Because even if your boss is not standing there watching, God is watching, and we're accountable to him ultimately. All right. Very good. 877-381-4567-questions at collegeview.com. And when we think about that and not doing it with the eye services, we're doing it uh, as to the Lord. We're we're serving him, and, and we don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to see us. He sees us all the time. And that's what the text says, Jacob, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not to men. I mean, this is... In other words, being a faithful employee is a part of being a faithful Christian. And if you're not being a faithful employee, then you're not doing the will of God. So, again, that's why it's important to have a job wherein you can do what's expected of you without sinning or violating your conscience or hurting your influence. And if all those things are true, then you've got to do that. And doing it is a a requirement of you maintaining a faithful relationship with God. All right, and uh, we don't have to worry that God's going to see us or that he's going to reward us for our efforts. He's told us that he will reward us based upon how we are workers at the, at the on the job. Yeah, he says there in Ephesians 6, again, verses 5 through 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Uh, you, this is just another part of living a faithful life as a Christian and you do it, you do it well, you'll be rewarded. Uh, God promises to reward those who do his will faithfully. And notice he says whether a man, this is true, whether a man be bond or free, uh, there's no respect of persons with God. Uh, a fellow who is a good ditch digger is as pleasing to God as a fellow who's a good bank president. You, you do your job, you do it faithfully, God's pleased with you, no matter what your job may be. Do it faithfully. Well, you could take it the other way as well. God holds the ditch digger to certain responsibilities and attitudes towards his job, but you don't rise to a certain position in a company to where now God doesn't hold you responsible as a worker. Right. He's holding the bank president to the same 
requirements as the ditch digger in, re- in respect to how they work on the job. Uh, Jabe, you asked earlier about attitude, uh, and I think that that passage there is telling the kind of attitudes that we need to possess as Christians on the job. And I would throw in also another passage here, 1 Peter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter three eighteen: Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. That's King James wording. The word froward there means contrary mean perverse kind of in other words your boss is just totally unpleasant he's one of those bosses that's just terrible to work for you're still expected to do the right thing even if he's an unpleasant person you're still expected to have the right attitude and do the right thing it's expected and you're accountable to god for doing that um there's another passage that says not answering again and, and that slips my mind i think it's, it's either in titus or second timothy but uh you, you know we're we need to have the right respect for our boss. There's another passage that I like along the lines of our attitude, and we're about out of time. That's uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus' instruction there to soldiers, but I think it is applicable to us as well. Luke chapter 3, verse 14. To the soldiers likewise, uh, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do no violence, uh, to, do violence to no man. Neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. Soldiers were told to be content with their wages. And I think that uh, the the same would be true for us as well. The Bible tells us to be content with the things that we have. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, Our wages are something that is given to us by God. Certainly our employer signs a check, but ultimately those blessings come from God. And we need to be content with what we're making and not be murmuring and complaining about what we have. Real quickly, Jacob, before we're out of time, conduct on the job, attitude on the job. We've been talking the whole night about somebody who's employed, the, the employee side of this. There is There are Bible instructions about the employer as well, and we might just reference, uh, for instance, Ephesians. We were talking about in Ephesians 6, um, the, the instructions there toward the servant, but there's also instructions in Ephesians 6 toward the master, In verse 9, ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respect of persons with him. And the parallel is uh, part uh, of Colossians 3 is is actually Colossians 4. It uh, runs over into chapter 4. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, well, well, wait a minute, I got the wrong one. I'm having trouble with my Bible. The pages are falling out of it, Jacob. Colossians 4, verse 1, Masters, given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And I think the principle being taught there, if you're in the in the boss part of the relationship, understand that you have responsibilities and you're accountable too. The employee, we've been talking all night about the employee and his responsibilities, his accountability. But the boss has accountability too, so you better do your part of the job right. Yeah, Dean beat you to the punch on that. Dean said sometimes at work we are the boss, unfortunately. Uh, and he says the Bible tells us that we must treat employees in a right manner too, such as paying them the agreed-upon wage. And there were people in the New Testament who were cheating people out of their wages, and uh, they were condemned for that. Exactly right. In an email, Dean had said we must conduct ourselves in a way consistent with the gospel of Christ no matter where we are, and that would include on the job, And we must work whether or not the boss is watching from Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 7. Thank you, Dean.
And we have a comment from uh, the chat room is good for us as we close out the hour tonight. Just as a wife might save her husband by her conduct, or in other words, converting him by her behavior, referencing 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16, uh, the question is asked, for a bad boss, might the same principle work for your tyrant of a boss? Maybe so. Maybe if you if you just do the right thing, lots of people will be influenced by Christians doing the right thing. All right. Excellent discussion tonight, Dad, and things that are very uh, practical and uh, will apply to us every day of our lives on the job. Certainly some attitudes that we all need to make sure we keep in mind. Yeah, appreciate everybody who's participated in the study tonight. Some good comments. The chat room has just been busy, busy. Well, I haven't kept it up. Jay, you've been trying to keep up with that a little more than I have, but uh, we do appreciate that. And I think people who are using that chat room op- option are enjoying that opportunity to sort of talk among themselves while the program's going on. And remind us about your Twittering. How do we How do okay. we sign up to follow you on that? Go, go to twitter.com, T-W-I-T-T-E-R. Go to twitter.com, and then... You, you got to make an. You got to. You got to start an account. It's real simple. You just give them your name, basically, and so forth. Start an account, and then you'll you'll have options of those who you want to follow, and and so look up the virtual Bible study and tell them you want to follow that. And, and how then, do you get your updates then? If you're following the virtual Bible study, every time I put an update up there, it'll go to you to your Twitter account, and you can get those Twitter updates on your cell phone. Oh wow! Or on your computer, or both. And so you you're not going to send out messages all the time. You're going to send out a message on Thursday telling them the topic, and then you'll give a little reminder about time for the program to start. That's right. We're not going to overpower your inbox, but uh, try that out because it might be a good way to be reminded. Uh, start a Twitter account and then uh, make sure that you have it accessible to your cell phone, and you'll get a, a, a beep just a few minutes before the program starts telling you we're ready to start to remind you to get on the computer. All right. We appreciate you being a part of the program tonight, and we look forward to you being back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.